very warm welcome to all our listeners on today's episode we have some very special guest with me Zack and Thomas before i get started one of the uh, one of the question i was prepping up for and i really wanted to ask you guys before we start anything how did you guys came up with the name mahabeli because i can one thing i can testify to all our listeners is um, you do get a mahabeli after eating <laughs> you cannot stop so i wanted to ask you guys how did you first came up with this name we actually um, um, uh, took a structured approach a bit too structured maybe so in the beginning what we did was um we basically drew up a list of around 10 to 15 names um which came from multiple sources friends and family uh, you know like we bounced a couple of names between the two of ourselves also uh and then we did a survey uh which again we sent out to a family of friends and uh, polled it and then out of nowhere one of our um, uh friends who interestingly works i mean no no wonder that he works in advertising uh based out of bombay his name is john yuan john uh he just uh, uh called and he said what about mahabeli oh. and um um so at the, at the moment like you know we were also like really caught up with like you know just starting the restaurant so like when he just said it out loud uh i was like what's the big deal in that because oh so for context uh, mahabeli is also um the uh mythical uh king uh who is who who is known to be the best uh ruler of kerala oh. uh, so it's a, it's a very it's a very strong link uh, from a malayali standpoint uh, so i'm so i'm hearing that right like saying well that's that's i mean that's plain jade he said no it's spelled as m a h a b e l l y i said oh 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 uh so then then i ran it by zack and then once we once we kind of saw what was happening over there so what like you know in the sense to uh, malayali it makes total sense they get the play on word on the word uh, and to a non malayali it's a fairly uh, straightforward call to action right like big belly necessarily means and we're also <laughs> placing north india uh, so there's a direct uh, you know like a link to uh, hopefully at that point good food uh, so once this came in we didn't even poll it like you know like zack and i just like we we heard it we figured this is it like you know we don't even need to kind of take a second opinion or a third opinion in this case Uh so yeah that's how we got the name Mahabali just stuck and it's actually like worked quite well for us i think it 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 communicates uh playfulness is also like a i'd like to think uh subtle intelligence to the wordplay uh so it's cool like uh, it's a cool name i think we settled on adding to that i'm so mm-hmm. glad that uh, we found mahabali like uh, the other name <laughs> options we had ranged from like re- really random names from idiki gold oh god yeah uh, <laughs> We for Vendetta. Vendetta is like a vegetable. So this is also like a pun on uh, Vendetta. So this is uh, these are the kind of names we had. So we are really glad that Mahabali happened. Somebody came up with that suggestion, and uh, this is something that's really worked for, well for us. So anybody oh. who's coming from Kerala, also they kind of get uh, quickly get the reference to from mm-hmm. Mahabali to Mahabali. And uh, <laughs> fortunately, unfortunately, what's happened like uh, when we before starting the restaurants, we both had like a built up a belly. In fact, I had a bit bigger one. But uh, within a month or two, like our maha belly became mini belly. So, oh god! So kind of we we also we get we also get from uh, time to time we also get the obvious bahu belly reference. Like you know, does this have anything to do? So we said no. Completely different planet. Uh, <laughs> no 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 connection to bahu belly of any sort. But I mean, yeah, that's that's the name. 
I think that is definitely yes, the best I name. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So some, sometimes in the restaurant also, I he, overhear people talking about the name. So somebody saying, where is Mahabali coming from? So somebody saying that he's probably Mahabali's cousin or uncle or there's some mythical reference. And like, so random, uh, like, I mean, it's uh, a, a, for, for sure, it's a curiosity in working. Absolutely. You can imagine that's my first question. I was like, how did you guys keep up with this name? <laughs> I think now it's sorted and settled. Now everyone will be knowing, okay, that's the context. Fun, fun fact is also uh, on the menu, uh, on our food menu, the first page uh, basically also kind of narrates the story of Marbali, uh, you know, like and why uh, it's important to behold Malayali story. Uh, it's also the foundational, um, you know, link to the Festival of Onam. So you'll find that on the first page of the menu. Like it's, Wonderful. Like oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, uh, so um, uh, let's go back in time, you know, and try to see how did this entire thing sort of came about. So uh, Zach and Thomas, if you want to, you know, uh, uh, what was that, you know, first a little bit about your backgrounds. Uh, we'd, we'd love to know, you know, uh, what you guys were doing in your previous lives. And then we'll talk about, you know, how sort of the idea sort of got culminated into and how did you guys start it? Because I think as entrepreneurs, as business owners, you know, taking the first step uh, is always a difficult one. And so we'll love to know that more. But first, a little bit about your background, uh, Zach and Thomas, please. Yeah. Zach, you want to take this? He's uh, between the two of us. He's way more qualified. Uh, so I think you should, <laughs> you should definitely no, I think, start. Uh, to one. answer your question, we have to go back a long way. So in fact, Thomas and I started studying together from class eight in the oh, same wow. school. Mm-hmm. So in school, we were, I would say, classmates. And then uh, somehow it happened that uh, both of us got admissions in Stephens. In fact, mm-hmm. he was the first one to get it. He was more interested. And at that point of time, I still remember his mother coming to tell him, t- coming and telling me that uh, Thomas wants to do physics. He wants to become an astrophysicist, <laughs> join NASA. Uh, and I mean, she also got to know that I was also interested in applying because I just wanted to get out of Kerala. Like, <laughs> I, I, all throughout my life, I was in Kerala. I just wanted an opportunity outside. And uh, <laughs> Thomas's mother was telling me, like, uh, he's so focused and inclined. Are you sure that you really want to do it? You don't really want to do engineering or medicine or some other uh, career choices. But somehow I was kind of uh, like, I, w- I in, my folks wanted me to pursue medicine. Uh, I was also on the wait- waiting list for, uh, for a couple of colleges. But uh, this was like a backup op- option for me. So to come to Delhi, join Stephens. And because I had a science background in uh, school, I realized that maybe the only subject I can probably pursue here, I didn't even do, know that I could pursue arts or humanities or any other subject for that matter. I thought because I had a science background in school, in college mm-hmm. also, I probably have to take up science and physics was one of the subjects that I liked in school, not in college, mm-hmm. not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, uh, Thomas got an admission and then uh, soon after I also, I mean, uh, managed to get, get through and then we were classmates. Uh, so first year we were together and then I remember like, uh, Thomas was very keen and passionate about studying physics, but within one week, it, the the glass ceiling just broke off. Like, I mean, whatever <laughs> dreams and, uh, we had about joining NASA. Expectations did not meet reality. They were grossly different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this was not the kind of physics we had imagined in school. This was like a different altogether uh, abstract kind of stuff that we probably couldn't relate to. And uh, I would also say, because I mean, I was in a boarding school, and coming from that protective environment to a place like Delhi with all the freedom, it was kind of overwhelming. So then it soon became like, I mean, academic, the priorities started shifting from academics to extracurricular activities and sports, <laughs> which I don't want to name now. Uh, but 
college was just more or less this self like it was a platform for self discovery it was mm-hmm. a great college uh, we had a fantastic time but uh, not in, not in the field of academics and uh, after 3 years uh, i kind of realized i mean uh, my option is to do some like either stay back in delhi or probably take a year off and then maybe do uh, management or something like that uh in between this process i also got an admission in law faculty i just happened to give the entrance and then because there was an option i thought probably it's better that i don't take a, a break here like uh, do law and mm-hmm. figure it out so i just joined law faculty and once i started studying i kind of uh, got interested and then kind of oh. it was an opportunity for me to redeem myself academically mm-hmm. and i wanted to be a serious lawyer i jo- uh, got a government job i mean i i got placed uh, after college i was working in a company for in a financial institution for 3 years wow. so and meanwhile thomas uh, i think uh, like i mean after college he, uh, he so he was doing physics initially and then after the first year he decided to uh, take a break from physics and join economics so he uh, so mm-hmm. he uh, from physics to economics is his background and then he went into consultancy mm-hmm. and then uh, in between like uh, during college we became closer and then after college then uh, because most of our other friends had started disappearing or going abroad and to uh, better places uh, we kind of uh, started bonding better and then during i mean this is also like one of those cliche moments during one of our catching up drinking sessions we had this uh, thought i mean this whole uh, wild idea we had in college if we ever had to drop out we'll probably start like a malludaba outside <laughs> college so then we kind of realized this is probably a, a unique opportunity for us if we want to like start a restaurant in delhi and uh, we were also missing this kind of food and i would say there was also a demand supply gap Mm-hmm. uh so we saw an opportunity and then we realized that if we ever have to do it this is probably the only opportunity we have and uh, now i mean i can probably try to think of an intelligent answer say that we thought of through <laughs> the process but uh, to be honest mm-hmm. i think uh, we were just thinking with our bellies and not with our brains and uh, this decided to literally follow our gut feeling so that's how mm-hmm. we decided to start mahabali in 2015 Oh, but you also like uh, build build up on that uh, on your initial mm-hmm. question. So I think I, I, like like he said, like in retrospect, there could be an intelligent answer. But I I think what worked uh, was also um, that our backgrounds are kind of diverse, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In the sense that um, uh, on one hand you have this focused guy who's doing what he wants. He's also extremely skilled in um, uh, you know like uh, legal procedures. uh compliance by way of vocation and also the work that he's done um <clears throat> on the other hand you have me which is um, a short jump from physics to eco so i i worked with a consultancy straight out of college i was placed in, uh, from college to this uh, management consultancy called feedback infra uh so i worked there for two years desk job nothing to write home much about i mean you i mean my skills in excel improved manifold um <laughs> Also, I mean, like I'd like to think in broad some level of you know it's, it's also your introduction uh, mm-hmm. to uh, any form of critical thinking, right? Like you're 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 given projects, you're given like look, this is the end goal. How do we get there? Uh, from there, actually, um, I switched again, and this has been a continuing pattern in my life when I look back uh, that I've bounced between multiple things. Uh, it's a problem and uh, uh, and a good thing in some ways. Uh, so from uh, management consulting, I went on to manage operations. uh for a children's museum uh called the Stella Children's Museum it was a startup um run by this company uh, this real estate company called Stella which is based out of Noida uh so it was a learning through play concept um first out first uh, location uh, at the ambience hall in Gurgaon 
so it's over there uh, where I, I was actually given um, a free reign by my bosses over there uh, to kind of run the show. Uh, and it was expected of me. Like it wasn't okay. even an option. More, it, was, it was more than that. It was expected of me, uh, which also gave me a first taste into, you know, like managing people, like, you know, one-to-one running a business. What does it take, um, uh, you know, in terms of uh, uh, labor law, in terms of, like, you, you get the works, right? Mm-hmm. So I think what worked was at the point that we, you know, kind of considered this decision to actually go through with it, um, two things had happened. One, uh, we were at this place where we were looking to do something that was not what we were doing at that point in time. Like, you know, I was looking to leave uh, or do something else or move on from the museum. Uh, he was also, you know, looking to maybe uh, uh, study further, do a master's. Uh, even I was considering a master's at that point. So we're at this pivotal place where we're both looking out. And by then, we'd also kind of clocked some hours, uh, which brought a fair bit of diversity, I think, uh, and allowed us to kind of, you know, approach this problem uh, fairly uniquely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how we do it now also. So Zach handles uh, a lot of the, you know, like uh, compliance right in India, like running a business is, I mean, it sounds uh, fairly straightforward, which it's not. Uh, but there's a lot of things you need to stay on top of. I would say if I had to, and I don't mean this, uh, you know, in a, in a cliche sense, but I think uh, in the restaurant business, uh, ironically, like, you know, getting the food right is probably the easiest uh, oh. out of the whole thing. Okay. Oh. Um, that that while that should be the most difficult uh, when you're <laughs> running a business in India, mm-hmm. uh, there's just there's just so many things on the on the back end, um, which so like you know so I think what came together for us was the fact that I, it was just I mean it was just serendipitous. We we were I think in the rightly placed. Uh, the market was right. Um, there wasn't anybody doing what we were doing, which is clearly why we wanted to do it. Uh, also, um, the timing was also right because that, interestingly, 2015 was around the year when uh, specific regional food was also picking up, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you had, of course, so in our case, uh, you had a lot of South Indian restaurants in Delhi, mm-hmm. but you were also seeing this outcrop of standalone restaurants that did just uh, Tamil food, just Kannada food, just, um, um, sorry, Kannada food, just. Um, even, um, you know, there were specific uh, restaurants doing um, pockets of Northeast India. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we were, our timing was also right. Now it's like, you know, everybody wants a specialized restaurant, right? Mm. It's very rare to see a multi-cuisine format anymore. Everybody's doing like, you know, a very, very uh, specific niche or something that they're actually really, really good at. So I think it was good for us to kind of, you know, get onto that first wave of uh, regional restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're happy that we were one of the first few cattle restaurants to kind of, you know, get on the bandwagon. So out of both of you, you mentioned, you know, you talked about different, all the different skill set. Out of both of you, who managed the, you know, uh, who's good in kitchen? <laughs> Whose recipes? Neither of us. Neither, neither, neither of us, actually. <laughs> okay. Neither of us. We don't, we don't cook, we criticize, both of us. <laughs> so... So how did you go about from setting up, you know, these are the dishes, uh, these are the, you know, uh, items you will be selling. Um, what was your thought process? Like, uh, how do you go about uh, setting up menu and everything? Yeah, so I let Zach handle the, the how we found a first chef uh, part of it because it, there's also a little bit of, you know, background on that. But from a many perspective, look, we didn't, uh, we, like, one of the rules of thumb that we have is we'd rather do a few things well than many things average. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so the idea was to uh, maybe start with a very very small menu you know like like 20 25 items tops mm-hmm. all together like you know across everything get that right you know because you also want to kind of build some sort of uh, uh reputation before you do things crazy uh so that starting menu was fairly straight like, i i don't think we had to kind of dig very deep um you know like it, it would build on like you know porotas and curries and appams and like you know biryanis and uh so that's where we began like you know from a menu setting standpoint to start with uh the reference point was what we grew up eating at home of course but also what we grew up there's there's a lot of action in the malayali food space outside of home also like for example uh something as fundamental to the cuisine as uh, malabar porota uh, we don't cook at home because it's just unviable it's it's very labor intensive um there's a certain feel that it has uh you know when it's when it's eaten out of this tattugada uh, as it's called or a roadside daba so there there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a good part of the cuisine that also evolved outside of home so that was the reference point like you know how close to so when i mean home i mean like the states in general mm-hmm. and the food habits there so the idea was that how close to home can we get uh, uh you know in a delhi context uh because seafood is obviously a problem right we're a landlocked state uh so getting fresh seafood can be problematic um so that so from a menu setting standpoint it was like you know i, I think the first menu in fact it was literally uh, printed out on a piece of yellow paper uh with just the prices uh, on it and the idea was that we'll see what moves better then we'll develop on those lines but let's get this right first in fact not just the first menu i think that we had that menu for the first couple of months uh to talk about um, uh, how we went with the whole processes uh, initially uh, we had a clear idea in mind like like thomas rightly mentioned we knew what we wanted to do we also wanted to do it small like we wanted to be a kerala restaurant not like a generic south indian restaurant and this mm-hmm. is the homely food that you get back home which is what we were missing in delhi mm-hmm. uh, so we had the we had a clear idea but going about it because both of us we didn't have any formal training in hospitality and hospitality industry this was quite a challenge for us but luckily worked in our favor is thomas's sister and and fen uh, she's a very good home cook and she's based out of doha so she volunteered she came down and she actually like sat with us and really helped us like train the chefs too and uh, set help us set the menu like initial first month she was here making sure that everything is in place and then these guys the guys we found talking about these chefs uh, uh we know like i mean this was a concept that we wanted but at the same time getting people in delhi like especially malayalis prefer like people back home if they have an opportunity to step out of kerala they prefer gelf like i mean that's what the mecca mm-hmm. is for us like i mean nobody would want to come to delhi and work here so mm-hmm. it was a bit of a challenge finding like a malayali chef from kerala would want to come to delhi and then we looked around and for me like i mean to, to talk about my uh, background in hospi- hospitality my family has been running a hotel in uh, kottayam kerala for the last uh, 30 years okay. uh, so this is the fa- this is what the family has been doing but i was personally never involved in that business so my father also decided to come down for a bit and then he was also helping us with the civil work and processes so we had help which kind of worked well for us uh, so in between we also found a few guys in kerala who were interested and luckily one of those guys his wife was working as a nurse in delhi and mm-hmm. he was looking for an opportunity here and uh, this guy was supposed to be an assistant chef there was uh, one other guy that we had found who was tra- supposed to lead the show but unfortunately uh, that guy uh, probably couldn't take up the responsibility and then we kind of realized that this guy has potential and maybe 
uh, with uh, Thomas's sister, we kind of trained him to like take up the role. And we started slow. We took it up one step at a time. Uh, had like uh, 20, 25 items on the menu initially. And then over time, like uh, with feedback, feed, like uh, we used to take feedback very seriously with all the people who had turned up. And uh, that kind of helped us uh, going, I would say. And how did you go about in running a restaurant? I assume, I mean, uh, how do you go about selecting and identifying a location? Uh, uh, did you guys had a plan in mind? Uh, what was your, is Saket was your first location when you started out? Or how did you find your first location? So what we had, uh, like yeah. what Thomas and I had agreed is if you find a suitable location, uh, then we will uh, think about this. So that point of time, uh, we didn't know how to go about it. So it was just like calling up random brokers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember like uh, this was in 2015. And, uh, it's exactly exact all of the like all of the legwork on this. There was this particular <laughs> Sargaji broker. And uh, I, I like, I mean, I, even though I've been in Delhi for quite a while now, like I'm sorry to say this, but my Hindi language skills are very, very functional, not beyond that. Uh, <laughs> like there was this Malayali guy who was probably like, I mean, uh, 25, 26 years old, telling a Sardaji broker that he wants to start a Kerala cuisine restaurant. And this guy doesn't even have any clue that what kind of concept that we have in mind. And mm-hmm. uh, he actually took that effort. I was sitting behind the scooter. Uh, I still remember it was one of those Bajaj Chetaks going around entire South Delhi, <laughs> looking at all the options. And uh, he used to initially used to take us to all kinds of very random places. Uh, <laughs> then finally, he told us there is one option in uh, Sarkade, and uh, there was this running South Indian restaurant, and the owner is looking to exit. Uh, okay. So then uh, we kind of spoke to him, and we realized that this is probably the, our best bet because this was already a running restaurant, and uh, we can probably take over the existing infrastructure and give us a heads up. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's how we identify the location. Uh, but truth be told, like first time, uh, because this uh, property is also, o- we don't own the property, it's rented. And mm-hmm. uh, this is owned by DLF. Uh, mm-hmm. So this broker was a mediator. But at the same time, we had to talk to the landlords, uh, the DLF team to convince them that we have a viable concept because they are also quite picky that way. They would want <laughs> to make sure that a concept which works. So then the mm-hmm. two of us just went to them with a presentation. And uh, I'm not kidding. Like that point in time, Thomas and I were negotiating about like taking over the entire space and then running it for the next couple of years. And together, we didn't have more than like uh, 60,000 rupees in our bank account. Oh, wow. That's why we, <laughs> but somehow, I think uh, we just had the balls and then <laughs> go ahead and like, uh, I don't know what we were thinking, but uh, things just uh, fell in place for us. So I would say we were extremely lucky. We we threw we threw ourselves at the prize. I mean, like my advice to anybody doing this would be do not do it. Maybe we did it. It just I mean there was there was a lot of brute luck uh, involved, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you know, like I said, but 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 when I look at the positives and I look at okay, what why is it that you know if I had to explain away again, I would say that we threw ourselves at the problem and we actually uh, I think it was for us at least it was kind of advantageous that we had no background. Um, in hospitality per se, because then we mm-hmm. approach the problem like an outside of wood. Correct. You know, so uh, yeah. I think we avoided a lot of like things that came, which which are probably you know like like um, gospel in the industry. It mm-hmm. came fairly intuitively to us because if you just look at the problem and see what's the best way to solve it, mm-hmm. um, like you know like simple things like you know if you've got fifty uh, seats in a restaurant, how many plates do you have? You have to kind of figure out what your breakage rate is, right? So you can optimize. You know, these things, if you just think about the problem, we came to it, but I think if we had a bit of formal training, perhaps we might have come to it a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think we had novel ideas on how to solve problems because we weren't burdened 
uh, by an education or a background in uh, hospitality in any sense. Um, at, at the same time, I, I also feel one of our reasons for success is because we didn't have any safety net to fall upon. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, that's, this, a, that's this, a big. So this it, was, was a, it was this is do or die. Like it was, yeah, there was no this was a leap of faith, but then we had to like really make sure that uh, we do something. Failure was not an option. So which means you put in the hours, but I mean, like it's it's your it's a traditional startup story in that sense. Like you know, you don't have much to fall back on, so it has to mm-hmm. work. Um, it's it, we're just one of those people, very very few people who actually manage to you know stay afloat. Mm-hmm. I think that's really fascinating and commendable. You know uh, 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 the points which you mentioned, uh, right? Uh, I mean, if you don't have an option to fall back on to something, I mean, you really put everything, whatever you got, right, and you try to build something out of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think your different backgrounds uh, definitely help you think and solve the problem from a different perspective. So I think that's also really fascinating to know. Uh, from uh, I wanted to ask you individually, uh, Zach and Thomas, what What was the most challenging uh, aspect, uh, or what was the most difficult challenge after you guys started out and everything? It's running up and running everything. What was the most difficult challenge you faced while running it? Hmm. What would that be? <laughs> this actually, it's hard to pin one actually because they're, they're, <laughs> they, they, all of these things have a have a domino effect, right? Like, so hmm. I would think where I probably felt most out of place, at least from you know like a structural standpoint. Uh, is the bureaucracy involved uh, in running a restaurant? Like you know, it's it as it stands, it's one of the most regulated industries in the country. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is anecdotal, but if I'm not mistaken, you need at least uh, 25 clearances. Uh, Zach would be able to qualify this, but 25 clearances to sell a sandwich legally in this country. Um, so, and uh, as a matter of fact, for getting a gun license, I think you just need to submit like three documents. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so really, twenty-five so for sandwich but, and three for a gun. <laughs> that's that, that's right. Because God forbid you get salmonella, but a bullet's fine. Uh, uh, so, so I think I think the challenge wrapping my head around is also mm. like you know you there are a lot of there there are ways you got to you got to like build these roads for yourself. uh so i think that was probably the hardest uh, and it and it only comes at time you can't fast track it you have to really understand how the system works uh you really have to you know you will make mistakes along the way that's inevitable um uh, so i think from a challenge perspective perhaps um because the others is you can figure it out if you if you don't have enough people coming in you market if your food is not good enough you put things in place to kind of you know uh, make sure that uh, qc is being taken care of Uh, but this is something that you know, like this whole, how do you deal with um, the uh, the bureaucratic machine that is, um, you know, running a business in India mm-hmm. was probably the most challenging out of all of it uh, for me at least. And for you, Zach, I would also, yeah, I would also say, I mean, the very nature of the business. This is also a very like, I mean, it's a it gives you instant gratification, but at the same time, this is also a very volatile, fickle business. Uh, so, for example. Uh, to talk about stati- statistics one out of three restaurants close every year like every new if three restaurants are opening in a year one oh. of them close so that's the kind of wow. statistic and uh, not more than 5% of restaurants survive beyond 5 years uh, so these are the numbers we have so that way uh, there's a lot of challenge and i would say like uh, in fact uh, just before the lockdown on uh, last year in 2020 we were supposed to celebrate our 5th year anniversary so looking back upon that time uh, we kind of realized i mean we were supposed to celebrate and immediately uh, 
there was this uh, national lockdown declared and there was so much of uncertainty we had reached a point that we didn't even know we would survive uh, even though we were doing quite successfully before so looking back upon like every year there has been some challenge or other like first year it was i would say lack of experience learning on the job and being uh, struggling at the uh, deep end so this is a, a, for us also it was a bit of a process because initially we also didn't know how to go about it so we were micromanaging trying to do everything on our own uh, but slowly over the years we also started uh, realizing that end of the day if you want the business to uh, you want the business to be owner agnostic like you can't keep running the business and the business can't keep depending on you so true uh, so now we kind of enabled that system where the second uh, second level of leadership is taking over and we are kind of like taking a step back so that's probably the only way you can grow a business this is something that it took us probably a couple of years to realize and so it's probably in the last two years that we are trying to implement these system to make things more automatic automated mm-hmm. uh, this is one and i would say over the years uh, there were a lot of external factors which kind of really uh, made the business quite tepid like i would say starting from year 1 the lack of experience year 2 there was demonetization that happened third year like thomas said i mean uh, with all the compliances that gst was in- introduced there was uh, like a huge shift in the kind of uh, reporting and uh, data collection that you need to be and uh, the returns that have to be managed uh, the fourth year there was a l- lack of uncertainty with the uh, with our mall like our dlf was also going through a renovation and we didn't know where we will be so every year there's been something but uh, fortunately unfortunately uh i would say like uh, the, the what what i have personally realized is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger so mm-hmm. this is we now learning and uh, that's what is keeping us going so looking at all these different stats you also mentioned and the challenges so what has been your strategy now uh, looking forward you know to grow the business or or to expand what are your thoughts and what are your plans do you plan to uh, open up are you looking to open up more restaurants or uh what's your thought process on that so interestingly we uh so just before the lockdown so i'm i'm, I'm saying around january 2020 uh we this is a conversation we had between the two of us you know where do we go from here uh so we had like you know one we had a cuisine I, I, this is a personal opinion we had a cuisine challenge in the sense that malayali food is actually quite difficult to scale you know like in the sense mm-hmm. that uh it's 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 a it's a fickle cuisine like it has to be done a certain way it's not like a burger or a pizza where you can just you know break it down into four or five steps standardize mm-hmm. it along the way and you know like just take it across multiple locations uh so uh, we felt that we have to be, we will have to be close to the business on some level so for example me us being in delhi and opening up in bombay immediately might not be the best idea right uh because you also want to kind of be close to your uh, to the to the kind of community that you're serving uh because the food is also a little detailed that way so we figured okay let's try to figure out ncr like you know like delhi gurga noida like complete that triangle um uh before we kind of you know uh, step out uh so in that in that vein uh, we actually look uh, found a location in gurgaon uh we were very close not very close we actually signed uh, on like you know taking the space over uh developing it into, into our second outlet into the second restaurant uh and then uh, so we were probably supposed to take the place over for fit out in april uh, march the lockdown happened and then the whole uh, landscape just changed completely right like suddenly uh, what might seem like a viable business idea uh, did not so we kind of took a pause so in 2020 i think um, uh, between the two of us the strategy was to just keep the ship afloat there was no there was not there was not any 
uh, forward thinking uh, beyond survival, right? So you have uh, manpower employees that you want to protect uh, and keep them on the roads and like, you know, make sure that they're getting paid. At the same time, you're having conversations with your existing landlords. We, do, we have a delivery operation in, in Gurgaon also. That's how we test in the market first. Uh, so, you know, negotiating the rent, figuring out how can you make it month on month. So most of 2020, uh, not most of like all of 2020 was just that. So there was no uh, expansion plan per se uh, that we had envisioned. Even though we were mentally ready for it, we kind of had to like, you know, dial down uh, a bit and just make sure that what we had uh, we would continue for the at least the foreseeable future. Uh, then the, uh, you know, like the uh, protocols eased off a bit, things started opening up in uh, November, December 2020, and then again, lockdown two happened. So just when, really, okay, fine, now we've, we've kind of covered this, now we can move on to the next thing, and the lockdown happens again. Um, so this constant, uh, how do you say, fight or flight, state of fight or flight is, is quite tiring. You know, so I think somewhere uh, in in July and August of this year, 21, both of us are like, you know what, we're just tired of uh, holding the fort. So let's at least have an idea on what we can do, uh, you know, like to kind of, you know, take this forward from here. Because we are also one of the very few people who've made it, right? A lot of, like, you know, like the, the, the number of, number of uh, food business that went under uh, between March 2020 till now is incredible. Like, you know, nobody's talking about this, but it's happened. It's very real. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are also one of the few people who've made it, you know, so it's, it's all, there's also a sense of responsibility uh, that comes into kind of figuring things out, not just taking it easy and also being, you know, thankful for the fact that we're here. And we kind of owe something to someone. We don't know who that is and what it is, uh, but it has to happen, right? So, we are, so right now, like Zach mentioned earlier, we're in this, we, we figured that for us to become, if you want to multiply footprint, um, while we have strong foundations, they're not, there's still work to be done in terms of, you know, like um, building a hierarchy and like, you know, making the system work mm -hmm. uh, and making us irrelevant to it. Like, you know, of course, we will have to be uh, on top pulling strings, making the decisions but that we have to make. I think, uh, like he rightfully pointed, I think we're still making decisions that we should not make. Like someone else should be doing this mm -hmm. so that we can kind of take the business forward. So right now in the immediate, like, you know, the immediate now, we are kind of spending doing that to make us, you know, like future proof in the sense that if like when we, like, you know, we, we're trying to do the uh, exercise necessary to, you know, make us scalable in that sense. So we're thinking uh, on multiple levels, like, you know, cloud kitchens, uh, while they're like, they look like a numerically uh, exciting prospect, the real math tells a different story. So I think it will be, we're seeing the value of having a restaurant because people, oh. I think that we are able to, um, you know, it, it's it, the experience is a lot. You can communicate a lot more and build deeper relationships with your customers when they come and dine with you. These, so as opposed you, to, so can you share a little bit in terms of when you mentioned uh, cloud kitchen economic doesn't work vis-a-vis uh, -vis about having a physical restaurant. So what are those sort of red flags? Uh, uh, in from your perspective so i i would say it's not it's not um uh, I, I don't think this holds for all brands it also depends on the concept that you do but so i'll speak for ours right so mm -hmm. what we are is a is a, um, a authentic kerala cuisine brand that's what we do right so we are by default we are niche um we operate in a very small like appealing to a certain set of people it's not a mass brand like that so for us I think something like a cloud kitchen only strategy might not work because it's not a mass product. Like you, you need people to come experience, 
have a case, there's there's a lot of communication that ha- that has to go beyond uh you know like standard marketing uh methods like you know they have to see what it's about there's a bit of cultural exchange that goes on uh you play malayali music in the background you know like your so it, it so i think a physical space of some sort is important to the mahabali brand uh so for us i think it's going to be a mix of both there will be uh yes we will be able to come to your home if you like to but our way of reaching you and the best way to experience our brand is always i mean not always like is uh you know like a physical one on some level so as it stands saket uh is will will remain our flagship uh, in that sense so we've we've spent the last one and a half years expanding our reach and do and getting better at delivering food home um like you know zach's done a lot of work on packaging um uh, you know like how do we ensure that everything reaches you because like you know like at a certain temperature or like you know what's the best way to do logistics Uh, and also a big aspect of delivery is that you have to deal with the market speed right mm-hmm. uh, platforms it took a huge cut on every sale mm-hmm. so there's been a lot of efforts that we've been also been spending time on and trying to see how can we be as independent as possible uh, we're not as it stands we're not like you know a large part of our sales uh, comes through uh, these uh, platforms so even though like you know if you ask any of us we say we'd rather not have to partner with them but it's it's an it's like like a un like an unwilling choice that we have that's just the way it is right now that most people uh, do end up on these platforms to place these orders so it is in your interest to be there so that's yeah so that's what we've been we've been like you know spending our time on in the pandemic here if you mean to add on to your mm-hmm. to add on to what thomas has already stated and to give you a better perspective uh, mm-hmm. we did run the numbers so in fact we have a restaurant <clears throat> we have a full fledged restaurant in saket where we have dine in as well as delivery and we also have a delivery kitchen in burgan which we have been operating for the last 4 5 years uh, so if you look at the numbers uh, we are doing deliveries at both uh, saket and uh, out of uh, saket and burgan kitchens but saket is probably doing three times better and uh, we feel this is also uh, probably because uh, there is a store friend and uh, that experience is much better and mm-hmm. uh, that also if you see a store around then probably p- the brand recognition is better and mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, the, the customers approach so and i would also say last 2 3 years the industry is also been going through a state of flux uh, like uh, pre before pandemic i mean i would say that uh, 80% of the sales used to come from dining and 20% uh, through delivery uh, but there's a clear pivot like uh, people started ordering in more and now i would say it's 60 40 Uh, so right now i would say that we would uh, probably wait for a bit and see what kind of trend the like end of the day we are here to serve the customers so we see what the what is the trend that the customers prefer and maybe work around it so as far as i feel like i would uh, think uh, mahabali in a format which has a storefront as well as doing deliveries would probably the be the ideal fit for us mm-hmm. and one thing you mentioned in terms of um a delivery right i mean uh, zomato swiggy they take a big chunk of it right uh, what about the other sort of alternative uh, running having your own delivery or other platform like dot pay which has come in uh, what's your thought on that no so we do we actually do so even <laughs> yeah No, so, in fact as a matter uh, of fact thomas is the one who launched dot pay across india so he is oh, probably the, yeah, yeah he's also <laughs> no, not not launched so, so i i on on the side i work with the uh, with the association the national restaurant association of india which is the nrai uh, so what falls on my plate is to basically address what you're asking me that if it is a legitimate problem that restaurants 
uh, are not getting a fair deal out of these third-party platforms uh, such as Zomato and Swiggy? Is there a better way to do it? Or is there like, you know, how do we encourage uh, good behavior from a platform perspective? So that's how DotPay came into the, uh, you know, into the uh, fold. Um, uh, so our learning so far is look, so like uh, Mahabali, by the way, was delivering since 2016. So we were delivering uh, before, in fact, we were on that first, again, on the first wave of these new delivery outlets that were coming out uh, to be listed on these platforms, which was like, you know, in 2016, they're very, very nascent, right? Like food food ordering is still a habit. Like we had Uber Eats, we had Food Panda, we had uh, individual apps. Like, you know, there's a lot of actions going on at that point. Right now, it's boiled down to two people. So we were delivering, and in fact, we had our own, we had our, even before, like, you know, logistics was a thing, we had riders that we had hired on our own roles to do our own delivery because, you know, last month is important. So, like, these these fundamentals were strong even then. So, for, to answer your question of alternative channels, the pro, the issue right now is that it's not a, it's not a question of what are the uh, viable options out there. The issue at hand is more about customer behavior, hmm. right? So, so, it doesn't matter if you have an option out there if the customer is still going to prefer, you know, going to an aggregator, right? So, we have been go, trying to uh, move in the direction of, uh, you know, um, uh, optimizing and ensuring best experience for a customer on our own platforms, such as DotPay. Uh, so it's going to take time. And also, I think that strategy will also only work with a conscientious customer of some sort, right? Because if at the end of the day, this, this customer is only looking for the cheapest price or he doesn't really care about, um, um, uh, you know, certain aspects of the delivery value chain, which actually costs good money. Right. So if you are someone who cares about eco-friendly packaging, you will also have to, you know, on some level uh, be okay uh, with the proposition that eco-friendly packaging is more expensive. So which means that if you order from a place that has eco-friendly packaging, you might end up paying more for packaging. Right. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you have so at the same time, if this customer is not willing to pay for it, then he's not a good fit. Mm -hmm. um, like this, there's some guardrails you just can't break. Right? It's just the way it is. So that's where we are right now. We are in this in this place where we are also trying to inform uh, our customers about why it is better for the customer to order directly with the restaurant rather than through a Zomato or Swiggy, and also why it is better for the restaurant. So, like you know, we also pass these savings on. We try and pass. So, if you are paying a lower commission to Dot Pay, uh, mm -hmm. there's no re we we can effectively even drop try and drop our price mm -hmm. um, by that much and and just pass it on to the customer. Right. So that's what we do. We actually do that with our uh, direct orders. It's it's cheaper to order directly with Marbley at the end of this. Um, uh, so if I can ask, so did you guys bought tomato stocks or no? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I, I have. Uh, I, I tried I, very I, hard. In fact, I applied for the IPO, but unfortunately, did not get any allotments. Oh. <laughs> my my understanding of the financial markets are extremely poor, so I don't I don't operate in things like that. Understand? So between the two of us, Zach, a lot more savvier on this. Uh, so uh, another question for you, Zach. Do you plan to accept Bitcoin any soon, anytime soon? I mean, it all depends on what the government proposes. So, <laughs> I mean, it's the it's, not, it's not just enough for us to receive the money. Right? We also have to spend it somewhere. That's the problem right now. Yes, yes. Um, uh, wonderful. I mean, uh, it was it's it's so much fun to talk to you guys, and I can see you know um, um, you guys go way long back, and um, the uh, synergies and you know uh, the way you guys told the story. I think it's uh, excellent. Uh, one final question uh, to wrap it up uh, for Zach and Thomas for you guys. Uh, if you were to go back um, 
in time and you know if you were given an opportunity to do things differently uh, what would you have done um, zack if you like to go first i would I, to start off i would say in retrospect I, there is always a better way to do anything we have done so far but i wouldn't think i would want to change anything like uh, if we uh, probably try doing it in a different way i don't think we would be here so i would probably keep it the same way okay uh, thomas yeah i think we would like that that's what uh, fully with it in the sense that um, uh, i don't know if i i i know that we both gave it our best shot you know i have no doubt about that so which is why for me given your circumstances if you are convinced that you've done your best i don't think you can you know it's just a uh, 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 that's the best you can do so we gave it our best shot so far, like you know so far um, so i don't think i would change honestly anything that we did differently i would honestly. do exactly the same way it, it gave us our learning with the, mm-hmm. the, the outcome would have been just wildly that's that's the point the outcome would have been mm-hmm. wildly different if we had even if one thing had changed it just fell into place at the right time like you know it was like click 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 if you change one like you you're looking at a whole different picture so no i wouldn't i'm i'm quite happy when i'm right i wouldn't change it and any suggestion for our listeners who is looking to plant you know uh, uh, we saw uh, especially i saw many uh, people starting their home kitchen and many looking to start their own business in this particular space so any or any recommendation for our listeners whoever is listening in terms of you know what you should do should not do or uh, my my only two cents would be uh, is that there is absolutely uh, there is not uh, too much time spent on research like in the sense mm-hmm. that i think now the opportunity is also for you to try out things like you can you can uh, you know moonlight with a cloud kitchen brand and just work with them you know just to understand how the things get a sense of you know what goes on uh, so i would say um, you know take the time to maybe understand what you're getting into it's not just, i don't mean this just for the restaurant business per se i'm saying anything that you want to do on your own uh, because what usually uh you think and what how things actually work uh, um, are widely apart so it's in your interest to kind of understand the system also to see how you can execute your idea in these constraints uh, better so that would be my only advice don't think that you know sometimes uh, it's too much time to spend on research or too much time this you will only inform yourself more i mean i i think that there's a lot of value there and there's absolutely a lot of uh, opportunity to do it also it's not that hard uh, as it was before information is there if you are willing to search for it i, I would absolutely agree with thomas and mm-hmm. uh, i would also say there is no cookie cutter approach here like mm-hmm. uh, it all depends on what your capabilities are your potential and how you would want to do but it like thomas rightly mentioned it's good that you I mean you will have you need to have a clear idea what you want to do be true and authentic to that purpose so end of the day it all depends on how how you would want to do it and uh, and the way you would want to execute it you have to believe it at some point you have to believe it yourself if you don't then you're just looking for answers and that's not going to come always and at the same time trust your employees uh, believe in their <laughs> capabilities and empower mm-hmm. them end of the day entrepreneurs uh, purpose is to create jobs empower the people who are with them and make sure that they are able to take over like as and when required Mm-hmm. I think these are some of very excellent points which you cannot even find in uh, books of management. I think uh, to trust your employees, uh, you have to believe in the goal which you are building, uh, uh, and uh, you know uh, all these different points. I think 
thank you so much, uh, Thomas and Zach. Uh, it was such a pleasure to hear you guys and your entire story. Um, um, it definitely motivated, motivated me again. <laughs> uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always need different sources of motivation. Uh, uh, each entrepreneur has a different set of challenges in their uh, entire journey, but uh, I think uh, it, it's an, um, you know, um, excellent brand which you guys have built and uh, I really uh, wish you guys all the very best and hope to be uh, visiting your restaurant very soon. <laughs> Thanks, Akshay. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. This is a medium that increasingly I've become fallen in love with. So very happy to be here and for the first time to be on the other side too where I'm getting an opportunity to speak. So thank you so much and wish you all the best.